Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the current events surrounding Season 3, Part 8. So what was going on in July of 2017 when this episode, or June, late June of 2017 actually, when this episode initially aired. And uh, I remember Twin Peaks was trending on Twitter at this time, uh, which, you know, it was not, for, for all the enthusiasm within the fan community, it was not itself this, like, major cultural event, Twin Peaks, coming back. But this episode did get a little more traction than the rest of the series because there was some anticipation. I think Peter Deming, the cinematographer, put out a tweet saying, make sure you tune in tonight, this is a big one, or something like that. And uh, so, so it had... Uh, probably more of an impact than some of the other episodes did. But of course, there was much else going on. And uh, this part of the discussion will be just me because I recorded this years after the discussion I had with Em and Steve about the other stuff that I initially released for patrons. I recorded this part just for the public podcast. So you're hearing it for the first time. Part 8 aired on Sunday, June 25th, 2017. In many ways, a historic night in television. This episode had a huge impact but not a huge viewership. Most of Twin Peaks did not. Although there was a spike, I think, for this episode because it was promoted so heavily. The number one film in the country at this time was Transformers, The Last Night, making $44.6 million this weekend. So for a marked contrast with what Lynch was doing on television, look no further than the number one film in the country, Michael Bay's fifth Transformers. Or are Transformers and... Twin Peaks linked after all. Both feature an overwhelming cacophony of sensory data, both visual and aural. Both have a character whose radio voice can either break or cast a spell, and both call back to an origin story that fuses World War II history and mythology, with the fireman, I suppose, as Twin Peaks equivalent to Transformers Merlin. The film draws upon Arthurian legends as well. The critical press was not impressed by any such similarities, praising Part 8 to the hilt while disparaging Transformers. Perhaps surprisingly, audiences stayed away. Well, to the extent that description can fit a movie generating more than half a billion dollars at the box office. Given its budget, marketing costs, and expectations, the movie was characterized as a flop, drowned in a sea of more successful blockbusters this summer. In a grim irony, the big news story on the day of Twin Peaks' episode about an atomic explosion was the combustion of a fuel tanker in Pakistan, killing hundreds of people. The vehicle overturned on a highway and, presumably out of a, as it turned out, misguided concern for public safety, a mosque announced the accident, causing an onrush of eager, impoverished villagers who needed the oil for cooking fuel. They brought containers, and they gathered as much as they could. Somebody may have lit a cigarette, or else passing cars or motorcycles might have lit the spark, but for whatever reason, the tanker exploded, instantly incinerating over a hundred people, with many more dying from injuries in the subsequent days. Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif cut short a British trip, to return to his country. This was already in the wake of deadly terror attacks that had just occurred, so this event shocked the nation as witnesses were reporting that they couldn't even approach those who had been severely burned in order to help them. The heat was apparently too intense. I've never seen anything like it, one police officer reported. Victims trapped in a fireball. The Time Magazine cover for the week of June 19th, 2017 was the Swamp Hotel. So you had carpets, chandeliers, and steel girders crisscrossing the cover of this week's time, with an American flag just visible, as if pinned back by these lavish accoutrements. In a yellow-on-black cutout format, the issue is titled The Swamp Hotel, captioned, How Trump's D.C. Outpost Became a Dealmaker's Paradise for Diplomats, Lobbyists, and Insiders. As with the Kushner story last week, time hones in on one half of the absolutely schizoid phenomenon of Trumpism, 
alongside a vision of the seething, off-cast middle America vowing to make America great again by rushing on the elite citadel and draining the swamp, here is the grotesquely gaudy, nakedly greedy opulence and corruption, a gilded sleaziness whose avatars sneeringly dare anyone to state the obvious, that the emperor has no clothes, at which point they can just smirk, shrug, and move on. Although, of course, the notoriously thin-skinned Trump couldn't just move on, even if as many toadies could. The article itself is titled Donald Trump's Suite of Power. It describes the hotel's typically Trumpian interiors and the many foreign leaders who have traipsed through to curry favor with the new American king, citing the building's origins as the old post office, a landmark operated by the General Services Administration. The article notes that Trump quickly reneged on many aspects of the deal he made to rent and renovate the building in 2011, as he had on previous deals and as he would on future ones as people stared him in the eye, looked at all the electrocuted corpses around them, and then calmly decided to stick their own fingers into the sockets to see what happened. The GSA could, indeed should, have evicted Trump in 2017, given the contract language barring elected officials from sharing in the lease, and a GSA official suggested they would when called by Congress. Instead, the agency went mum as of January 20th, simply stating that the president was in compliance, refusing to answer press questions, and playing the game everyone plays whenever Trump calls their bluff. The article ends with the detail that Trump plans to expand his worldwide operations by opening a new chain of more affordable hotels called American Idea to debut in Mississippi. The target demographic, we are told, includes some of the same voters who lifted the president into the White House. As you can probably guess, American Idea was abandoned without even making it off the ground two years later. And that's it for this episode of Lost in Twin Peaks. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can support this work also as a patron on patreon.com slash lost in the movies. Tomorrow we will continue with the part eight coverage going in the weeds talking about, uh, well, there's not as much chronology as usual to talk about. Usually I like to figure out which scenes took place when because they're sometimes out of order on the screen. In this case, we're literally jumping back in time. So there's, uh, you know, it's it's a little less ambiguous than it sometimes is. But we will talk about characters um coffee pine donuts if there is any i don't even remember if we discovered some but we may have turned up some and uh also we had sort of a side discussion on the girl in new mexico see you tomorrow a sequence of events that began with a truck skidding off a national highway and overturning near bahawalpur in punjab province here you see some of the locals who'd started collecting fuel that was spilling out of the truck Analysts say the reaction of the crowds is not surprising, given the problem of fuel shortages and poverty. If you go to these areas of Bahawalpur, which is near the Cholistan border that uh, borders Indian state of Rajasthan, the poverty level here rises up to 65% at times. Uh, now, I mean, in these conditions, with these figures, uh, how can we expect people not to collect cooking fuel for themselves? I mean, these... This uh, petrol uh, was used as cooking fuel by many people in nearby fields.